Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's up, guys? How you doing? Ben Bateman here for Action Movie Anatomy on Popcorn Talk, the online broadcast network devoted to movies and all things movie-related. I am joined today by my longtime co-host and genius co-producer, Andrew Guy. What's up, everybody? Good to be back again. I'm excited to talk about this movie today. This is a big one for us. Uh, so, you know, we, we do movies on this show. We do action movies on this show. Uh, they, they have to adhere to four basic rules. Those four rules are that the lead character is a political, military, or police figure. There's at least one explosion. Uh, the hero is always the smartest guy in the room, as well as the villain. And finally... The movie contains a minimum of at least one explosion. I said that already. The hero always plays by their own rules is the fourth rule. I'm jumping around. Have you done this show before? Uh, I'm new, actually. It's my first <laughs> week. Uh, just getting jumbled. Anyway, this is Mission Impossible 3. This is the third installment in a franchise that has a fifth one coming out this summer. Yep. Uh, I think just about a month. It's going to be coming out in July. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, we kind of agree that Tom Cruise is, is right up there in the pantheon of the all-time great action stars. So this is an exciting one for us. Yes, yes. We love Cruise. Uh, so, guys, if you want to follow along with us here and you want to tweet at us while we're, while we're doing this live, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter. Andrew? Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy. That's G-H-A-I on Twitter. So please be as interactive as possible because this is something that we love to do. So we are going to start out by airing the trailer for you guys of Mission Impossible 3, and, uh, and, and then we will have our initial thoughts, our bold statement, if you will. Yeah. I love this trailer. It's a great trailer. You have a wife. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Uh, he's so it's good. Philip is so good. PSH is like, he's, yeah, he's oh. like, he's legendary. He has so many iconic roles that I just absolutely yeah. love. You, you're hard pressed to really come up with actually somebody who has done Boring more you. good work in their career. Yeah, and and like such a vast you have a, difference of characters. You have a, a wife. The recast for him was like I was not happy with my choice. Like I was happy with it, but like it was kind of like there's no one that could do this her. on the same level. Weirdly enough, Gandolfini came to mind, which is like uh-uh. so, so like... I'm gonna kill you right in front They of filled like a similar space in terms of what the kind of roles they could do. Yeah. They were these like relatable, incredibly talented, kind of ugly characters. Right, and they could also play like the funny, comforting guy. Yeah. They could play like the everyday guy. Yeah. And they could play like this just demanding presence. Very commanding, very and very evil energy goes on. Very evil, yeah. Uh, speedboat shot, speedboat shot. Yeah, right. Do we miss it? Cruise. There, there it is. is. <laughs> Just the full on. I love that shots of the trailer. I do. I, I, it's funny that you say that because you know last night we were watching yeah. this and like that scene happened and you literally were just like I think that was only. In the movie for the trailer, and by like, the time I had said that, the shot was over. Yeah, so that's literally yeah, just literally a, like a two-second <laughs> shot. And I was like, "Are you sure it's in the trailer?" And go back and watch it. There it is. Both Boom. trailers. Both yeah, trailers. That's true. Theatrical and the HD DVD trailer. 
Yeah. Love those HD DVD trailers. So, guys, there you go. That was the trailer for uh, Mission Impossible 3. Uh, they hadn't started naming them sweet names yet, like Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation. Right. Uh, it's something I guess they've just decided to start doing with the later. That was a great trailer, but I do think it could have been a little better. Yeah, well, trailers just in general have gotten like much better. Like the yeah. last the last five or six years now, as we mentioned with the Edge of Tomorrow trailer, which is one of my favorites. Right. There's like you know the, there's the trailer award ceremonies and everything. These things really go up against each other. So I think the first trailer that kind of blew my mind, or not not the very first one, but the the first one that I say was Dark like Knight? changed my life was Dark Knight. The second one though. Well, yeah, but the, it's even just the first time you heard the Joker's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, whoa! It's and the one the with the, one with the voiceover. It was like he's like nothing in his pockets, clothes, clothes or custom. Yeah. There's nothing in his pockets but knives and lint, and then it goes to his face. and He's like, evening. evening. Oh yeah, commissioner. commissioner. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. that was the first trailer that I was just like, I am, a, I'm obsessed with trailers now. Yeah, super exciting. So, uh, guys, before we get into our bold statements, uh, I want to let you know that we love to hear from you. We absolutely love to hear from you. It helps us do the show. It helps us do the best job we possibly can. So please go to podcastone.com and take a survey. It might take you three minutes. It might take you less. <laughs> and if you, if you give us your thoughts, you do the best job you possibly can. We will come back at you every single week with the best show we possibly can. So please let us know your thoughts on podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Let's get back to the show. I'm so glad that you were able to voice over Tom Cruise's lib for us. Of course, yeah, he's yeah. the best. Uh, great. Andrew, I'm going to start with you. I want to know your bold statement about this movie. Okay. I'm actually happy to go first because I feel very strongly about this. I think that this is the best Mission Impossible movie because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I had, like, similar, similar thoughts. Can you elaborate just quickly? Okay, so um, I was thinking about this as I was coming up with my bold statement and yeah. you think about for me the greatest villains of all time in movies or some of them that just come into mind I got Gary Oldman and Leon the Professional you yep. got Ed Harris General yep. Hummel, Hummel um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman in this and you got Heath Ledger in Dark Knight yep you know those are four that just popped into my head right away when sure. I was thinking of just like iconic villains like Phenomenal. the worst of the worst Gary Oldman in Air Force One too yeah he's yeah. great in that he makes that yeah, yeah. Um, so I went back and I looked, and none of those guys have won Academy Awards other than Heath Ledger, who won it for his role yeah. as a villain. Posthumously. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, nominations have gone a lot to Ed Harris right, and Gary Oldman. But Philip Seymour Hoffman is the only one that won an Academy Award the same year, or excuse me, the year prior, to being a bad guy in an action movie. Yeah. Like, this dude is at the top of his game. He does The Savages after this, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Capote yeah. the year beforehand. Like... He's insane. And and even just in the trailer, like he he's so cold. Yeah. He's so calculated. He's just heartless. And and there's so many times in this movie when I'm watching, it, I'm just like, this is only this good because of how intense and badass Philip Seymour Hoffman is. He's a great villain. Who is definitely not physically striking or intimidating in any way whatsoever. No, but he has that evil energy. It's he just, does. It's amazing. He's just evil. Like through and through. Yeah. Uh, my bold statement is and we'll we'll get into this a little more when we talk about sort of the eras of Cruz's career, but my bold statement is that this movie is so good that really had it not been for the media fiasco that happened, the two years of hell essentially in Cruz's career that was spawned by his Scientology video that he put out as yep. well as the Oprah stuff and Katie Holmes, all of the controversy that went along with basically the time this movie came out, this movie could have gone one of two ways. And I think because of his public antics... 
So my statement would be because of Cruz's public antics, this movie went from being a huge pointing up arrow to the next era of his career mm-hmm. to a giant arrow down. Which I, I totally agree with you. I, I do believe that's true. But the funny thing is, is that this movie is kind of the reboot of the franchise in a sense. Like, I know it hasn't been a huge gap between two and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the feel and the tone of the movies are so different. Totally. Um, and this is right after War of the Worlds. And it's true. It's This movie was a box office bomb. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into yeah. the numbers. But it's literally only because of, like you said, you got the Oprah thing, the Katie Holmes thing, the Scientology thing, and then the South Park thing with the Trapped in the Closet episode. Right. This movie should have been massive. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I sort of mean is based on the quality of the film... I think this movie, this movie could have been the rocket into into Cruise Era Four, but yeah. instead, this was the Challenger. That's essentially what this movie turned out to be. Yeah, because after this, he goes and he has a little bit of a struggle in the next decade. I mean, almost the only reason that we're even talking yeah, about decade, in like five years. The only reason we're even talking about it, like he's not still struggling, is because a people forgot and they liked Mission Impossible Four and it made a ton of money, and b ton. Edge of Tomorrow was a fantastic movie. Yeah, take away edge and you're really looking and you're saying he's made one profitable movie since since 2006 right we're talking about a guy that literally every single movie had made over 100 million dollars immediately he owned every single decade yeah 80s 90s and 2000s absolutely he was the number one act he's the number one movie star he's he's pretty much the number one movie star of all time there's only a few people who you can really put on his level in like harrison ford a couple guys that are really up there but like really in terms of money maker just sheer volume Mm -hmm. it's pretty and the difference of movies that they do you know it's not like they're only action stars that's the only thing they can do they can play very many like versatile roles agreed so this will lead us really nicely into where he was at in his career when this movie came out but before we do that i want to just get right into fist pump moment you know fist pump moment is the thing that we do (laughs) on this show guys it's one of our favorites it's it's a little different than favorite scene it's fist bump moment is that moment when you're watching the movie and something happens, you just have that kind of like F yeah to yourself where you're just like, yes, this is sweet. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot in this movie. This movie's yeah. pretty awesome. For me, I'm going to go with the opening scene. Yep. And the reason I'm going to do it, we were watching this movie and you, I was like, because the opening scene, the movie starts out and it's, this, it's a shot from the trailer where Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, who are you? You have a wife? girlfriend you know his whole thing that he gets then he starts counting to 10 and it's so fantastic because Cruz he's chained to this chair and they've got a gun to Michelle Monaghan's head mm-hmm. and he's counting to 10 but he's so evil did you know that originally Billy Crudup was the guy counting to 10 yeah yeah and then J.J. Abrams was like what is what are we doing yeah yeah, like, yeah it needs to be Philip C. doing this and they switched him over they, yeah. yeah it's so much more it's so much better that way and it's actually a great moment because you see how it's like PSH has this like d- almost lazy delivery to his lines. Right. It's so it's so good. It's like he's this sloppy, lazy, evil guy. Right. It's like he cares so little about you. He's hardly going to enunciate yeah. what he's saying, but he means what he's saying. It's great. And then and Cruz, it's one of the rare occasions in one of these action pieces where he really gets a great acting scene. Yes. This is a fantastic scene for By him. all three of them. Yeah. Monaghan, Cruz, and Hoffman. Oh, so good. It's the eyes, yeah. tears. Like, it's so good. Because as he's going through the, the lines, each each count, like, one, two, Cruz changes his yeah. his approach to getting him to, def- he, like, five times. Yeah. He's like, where's the rabbit foot? And he's like, he's like, I already gave, was what I gave you not enough. And then he's like, I have the rabbit's foot. It's in Paris. It's not in Paris. Three. And he's like, let her go! Yeah. Let her go! And then I love when he gets the nine. He's like, no. no. No, no, he's just yeah. saying no. The tears are. You were looking over at me, and I was just like, my jaw. Yeah, just you were dropped. just completely like yeah. encapsulated by it. That's to me why I was like, that's this is the fist bump moment for me because I'm so in on this movie right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing that I love about that is that I 
hate when bad guys don't follow through with their threats. It's spoilers, really, guys. Spoilers. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie again, please came go out watch nine it. Nine years ago. Yeah, go watch it right now and come back and watch because we are going to definitely reveal what happens in the movie. Uh, keep going. I love that. What is it on count six? He shoots her in the leg. Yeah, and you're just like, oh damn, he's not. He's not juggling. And Curse, but he's not going to kill you. Yeah, he yeah. freaks out. Yeah. yeah, and then as you see later on, because this is a flash forward yeah. to about three quarters of the way through the movie, he shoots her. Yeah. On 10. When does that happen? When a bad Never. guy counts to 10 and shoots her. Gary I can Oldman. think of Gary Oldman in Air Force yeah. One and this. And I'm, maybe it's happened before. Let us know. But that is what I loved about this scene. Uh, yeah, Gary Oldman Air Force One. That's a really good one. Uh, Dark Knight. Gordon gets shot, I guess. Oh, well, actually, no, no, no. Uh, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal getting blown up. Yeah. That's, that's when you one. don't think it's going to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so my fist pump moment is... I have two. I have two of everything. I can yeah. never make up my mind. It's a problem. Right. So the first one I'm going to do is the adrenaline shot to carry yeah, Russell's chest. Sweet. I just love when people get shot up with adrenaline. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Like it ended Million Dollar Baby. Thank God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pulp Fiction. Pulp classic. Fiction. Uma. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. great. But I, I just love it. He's like, you're going to feel this. Yeah. He's like, Phew! just goes straight into her chest. Yeah, yeah. Massive. And then she's just, her eyes are crazy. Yeah. Now this is a... Well, well, we'll get into that. So that's, yeah. That's I, the first one. And, and Carrie Russell trained three months just for that short little scene right there, just to get in shape. For I mean, that it's a pretty scene. significant scene. She oh, has, it's intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. And then my second one is, it's just classic Mission Impossible. They get in the Lambo, drive away, they escape through the bottom. This yeah. is after they did the whole face and voice thing. Which right. You, everyone loves to see that. Yep. They escape. Tom Cruise says a pun. They blow the Lambo. Cue Mission Impossible music, Speedboat. Yeah. And, I was, and that's like an hour in. You're like, oh, yes. This and, this, and we're watching it. And I look, and we were talking about this over the trailer. You see the Speedboat shot. I look over. I, I go, I think this is only in this movie for the trailer. Literally. Because where are they going in the Speedboat? I guess they're going home or something. Like, they're escaping, I believe. The like next scene, they're like back at IMF or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But there's like, no segue. Nothing. Yeah. And like, I was like, I think this is only in the movie for the trailer. You're like, really? That if we just cut this, this shot's done. We could get up both trailers, the HD DVD trailer, yeah. as well as the theatrical. It's in both just for that one shot. That's it. Cruz was probably like, guys, we need a Speedboat shot. Can we I'm just going to uh, be in a Speedboat? <laughs> I have this idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are those are uh, those are my fist pump moments for sure. Sweet. All right, so let's get into star profiles. Uh, we talked about Cruz. I, I want to get. We'll talk about his three most recent. So War of the Worlds 05, Collateral 04, mm-hmm. Last Samurai 03. Now that's a massive three year stretch. Huge. Yeah, like we a lot of the time when we do these movies, we look at the things that the star or the villain were involved in. They're not quite on the level of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, War of the Worlds was his most profitable movie he ever made by far. Massive. Steven yes. Spielberg. Collateral. Oscar-nominated Michael Mann heralded as one of Cruz's best roles. I'm actually in my collateral outfit right now. I can see this that. This is one more button and the sunglasses. It would be... I got to spray my hair gray. I know. I have a Tom Cruise birthday party coming up on Saturday. It's, uh, <laughs> He's very excited about it. It's a Tom Cruise it. costume party. I'm, I'm real excited about it. I'm probably going to be collateral Cruise. We'll see. But uh, anyway... Just in uh, case anyone out there wanted to know... <laughs> Collateral's great. He's fantastic. That is one of my favorite cruise roles, period. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just he's so cruising it, and it's just a good movie. One of the, it's one of his five best. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Uh, what's what's the what's his character name in it? Vincent. Vincent? Yeah. No, no, no. Vincent is... Um, That's Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Isn't it? Right? I can't remember. Who cares? Yeah, anyway. Uh, and then The Last Samurai in 03. Now, the funny thing about Last Samurai... Is he's a white guy that's a samurai? Well, that is the funny thing. <laughs> the funny thing about Last Samurai is that when the Edswick movie came out, it's this huge treatment of this like kind of absurd concept, which is that like Tom Cruise is the last samurai. Right. But when you go back and watch the movie again, I love that movie. It's awesome. It's so awesome. It's so good. 
they have that great training of him becoming a samurai. Oh, yeah. It's it's I love that movie and I still will tell people I love that movie and they laugh at me and I'm just like, Don't yeah. watch it. Right. It's it's a good movie. It's excellent. It's very well done. It, like everything about the movie is great. So this is a pretty pretty ridiculous three year stretch. That's why we talk about I mean before this, it's a basically a ridiculous thirty year stretch. Yeah, yeah. No no know? doubt. So so let's talk about the eras of his career. Really do you have quickly. do we have a, a screen cap of his of his movie list or no? Of the all timer? No, no. We have we have uh I mean there's just too many. Money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. But but if you look at like okay, so Taps, Endless Love, that's mm-hmm. like the very beginning, eighty one, eighty two. Now he becomes a massive star in eighty five with Risky, Risky Business. Business yep. And in eighty six it's Top Gun. I think it's pretty safe to say he owned the 80s. He was in movies alongside Oscar winners in Rain Man in 88, Color of Money in 86. He got his first Oscar nomination, I think, in 89 or 90 for Born on the Fourth of July. That feels like that's the end of phase one. Yeah, that's definitely the beginning of the next career, or phase of his career, excuse me. Yeah, so Paula Wagner, and we'll get to her in a little bit, she was his agent at Creative Artists. And they launched Wagner Cruise in 93. That's mm-hmm. the, That was their production company. Yes. With the, the notion that they would retain more profits if they were producing their own stuff. And he was such a star by 93 after doing Days of Thunder and Far and Away. Right. I mean, this is a perfect time for you to become a producer on your own movies. Yeah, a few good men. So I think it's probably safe to say somewhere right in there is the next phase. Mm-hmm. Right? You could say that it's like 94, you have like The Firm. 94, you have uh, Sympathy for the uh, Interview of the Vampire. 95, you have Mission Impossible 1. You know, I think him... And right around then is uh, Jerry Maguire as well, right? 96, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think I think the next phase of his career, you would have to say, is like right when they launched that, it's like post A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. So like there's probably a 93 movie I'm forgetting. It's essentially the second half of the 90s. Uh, I think probably up through maybe if if Last Samurai's... I think yeah, like, so we got we got The Firm, Interview with the Vampire in 94, Mission Impossible in 96, Jerry Maguire in 96. I think it ends there. Oh, you think so? I think so? that's the next... Yeah, because then he goes into Eyes Wide Shut, he and goes, Magnolia, and Vanilla Sky. This is like you know? Oscar gunning cruise. He's, yeah. trying to, he's trying to win an Oscar now. And he's amazing in Magnolia. He's, yeah. he's just incredible. One of his best roles. Absolutely. And so you keep going. This is, we're in the, this, this is the beginning of the third phase. And you go... You go... Mission Impossible 2, Vanilla Sky, Minority Report, Last Samurai, Collateral, War of the Worlds. And that... Right there, World of the Worlds and Mission Impossible Three is kind of the beginning of phase the four. End of the three, beginning of four. Yeah, I would agree. It's like the four eras of his career. Mm-hmm. It's weird. To, you could almost look at them as decades, but they're not quite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It'll be interesting to see. And we talked about this on the Edge of Tomorrow episode. What happens with Doug Lyman's got Mena coming out in two right, this years? Could be, this, this could be Phase Five. Older crews gunning. Yeah. For another Oscar, because you see it now. You see that he's a little older. Finally, like yeah. this dude has been timeless ageless for, yeah for like 20 something years yeah it's pretty wild and you finally see in that new trailer that you're like oh my god you're getting a little older man yeah and I think that older Tom Cruise playing serious roles like he did back with Magnolia Vanilla Sky Eyes Wide Shut dude should win an Oscar he will he will he, he should right he's too talented not to and he's right. tried work too hard a lot for of too guys long. that haven't won Oscars yeah, Gary Oldman hasn't won an Oscar true yeah Cruise would have to get like he would have to get like the Birdman role like he'd have to get like that kind of it's hard for guys like him to win yeah. in this day and age at this point in his career. But, yeah, it, it is interesting to see that this movie that we're doing is really the kickoff point to Phase 4. Yeah. Um, because after that, it's just it's just bad. Like, Lions for Lambs got slaughtered. It's not a good movie. I, box office. I took a girl to that movie on a date in 2008. <laughs> Never heard from her again. Uh, it was a first date. We were very quiet. Uh, we were the only ones in the theater. I think there was, like, four other people. <laughs> yeah. It was in a mall. Um, and afterwards, I just... Well, I wish went home. It you took just, her to Sabaro, didn't you? <laughs> there was very little romance. Um, that movie is about like that movie is about like politics and like war politics, right? And Cruz plays like a politician, I think. 
It's just the whole... I never saw it, and I, I'm happy to admit, I've seen most all of Tom Cruise movies. I never saw that movie. I don't ever plan on it. Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, Tom Cruise. Yeah, you're yeah. like, this should be amazing. Yeah, it was just weird and bad. Um, also, 2008 Valkyrie, yeah. which, which actually, I really like Valkyrie. Valkyrie. bad. Yeah. It's another one of these ones, though. His public image was so tarnished at that point. Yeah. I mean, he spent he, all this time just trying to... Which is why it comes back to this, is Mission Impossible 3. This movie should have been massive. There was no movie in 07, right? He had no movie coming uh, out? Do, 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 do. Yes, he did have... That was Lions for Lambs, was 2007. Oh, that was 07. Yeah. So that was the one... Because he was doing like one a year for a while, yeah, there, right? Yeah, Tropic four, five. Thunder, then Valkyrie, then, you know. So Valkyrie has... Uh, Valkyrie is an interesting one because it's got that great shot from the trailer where... And this is... I remember watching it where I was like, this is when I was... I was, this, I was discovering how much I love Tom Cruise during this phase because I was right. realizing how cruisy he is and why that's such a unique thing. Right. Like, the way that he delivers his lines, right? So there's, like, a line in the trailer for Valkyrie where he's he's talking to some some other, like, general or something in South Africa, I think. And he looks at him and he's like, you can serve Germany or you can serve the Fuhrer, but you can't do both. Or something like that. I just remember it's like, what are you doing in the war, Tom Cruise? Like, like I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There was occasional moments where you're just like, you're just Tom Cruise in war regalia. Yeah. Occasionally. Just like him at the beginning of Edge of Tomorrow. You're like, you're not a soldier. You're not. Like, who are yeah, you? Yeah. You know? It's just awesome. Anyway, so that's that's uh, that's Tommy. That's Cruise. Now we get into PSH. Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of the great Great God tragedies. rest his soul. Is seriously, yeah. What a great tragedy of our Hard our to find an actor in our era who has done better work. He's pretty much the best that's ever been. Like, yeah. I mean, I love Robin Williams. I love Heath Ledger. Yeah. But I respect Philip Seymour Hoffman for his acting chops alone. Yeah. More than almost anyone. Yeah. Like, Ledger had his looks going for him in the beginning, and then he proved that he's like, I can act. I'm a damn good actor. You got Williams, who's got the comedy thing. He's one of the greatest improvisation, improvisational stand-up comedians I've ever seen in my yep. entire life. But Philip Seymour Hoffman is this guy. He's not that attractive, but he's just a killer actor. He's insane. Yeah. Unreal. Like, some of... I can think of ten Philip Seymour Hoffman movies that I that I don't just like that I, love. I absolutely love, and movies that you love him in that he's not even a big part of, like Boogie Nights. He's incredible in one that. of the best parts of the yeah. movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, un- un- absolutely unbelievable. Uh, so his his four movies we listed four here. I'll let you take this one. Listed four. Okay, so we got um, you got Capote, two thousand five. He won the Oscar for that, sure. which is what I was saying in the beginning. Is how often does someone go from winning an Oscar for a great dramatic biographic? Right to doing an action movie where he's the bad guy, so that that's huge, that's massive. And then you got after that, you got Along Came Polly, Punch Drunk Love, and Red Dragon. And the reason that I picked these movies is because I feel it really shows what a chameleon he is. It's a chameleon, actually. I'm going to say chameleon, and I think my audience will agree that I know what I'm talking about. You're, is that are you saying the chameleon? Like he's a shapeshifter? <laughs> yes, he's a shapeshifter. He's chameleon, like Red a Dragon. <laughs> So in Red Dragon, you have him. He's this like he's this douchey, dismissive, like slimy reporter. He sneaks sure. in and takes pictures at Ed Norton in the hospital. Like he's just kind of a schmuck. He he does exactly what you're talking about. Where he kind yeah. of like he like doesn't really finish his lines or enunciate. Yeah, he kind of talks sloppy. Right, he's just kind of a dick. You kind of hate him. Yeah, but then he gets captured, and you see this like incredibly vulnerable, scared like wuss. Yeah. So you got that in there, and then you go to um. Punch Drunk Love, he's just a dick in that movie. Yeah. He's amazing. Totally. He's just complete asshole, but he's, like, much more stern. Yeah. And then next, you got Along Came Polly. Hilarious. Hilarious. White chocolate. He, white chocolate. Raindrops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Backboard. Yeah. He's, so good. He's amazing in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and everyone knows that's where Sharded came from. Yeah. 
That wasn't a word before then, which blows my Is mind. Is it from Along Came Polly? It's from Along Came Polly. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's at the he's at the mixer in the beginning in the art gallery, and he yeah. goes up to Bessie. He's like, I'm sharded. I remember. I yeah. remember the line. I just didn't know that. that I don't was think I'd ever heard it before. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like I said, Capote. So like. This dude can do anything. And then after this, he follows it up with The Savages and um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And, and Synecdoche, Synecdoche, yeah, Synecdoche, New York. New York and, and, and Doubt. Yeah. Like, this dude can do absolutely anything. And, he's, he's and this is, like, the peak of his career. You know, like, it keeps going. Yeah. He doesn't really slow down much, but he starts to do a little bit more indie stuff. Yeah, he really, I mean, it's hard, like like I said, when he died, I remember reading several articles about it and people talking about some of his greatest moments and just sort of, like, there was a good two or three years there where you were sort of like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best actor in the world. Yeah. Like, even like, I and I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. I think that Daniel Day-Lewis is like the greatest method actor of all time. Right. But he doesn't do the volume of work. No. That Philip Seymour Hoffman does, and he brings it every time. Every single time yeah. he's at the top of his game. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the place they were in their careers. It's a really special thing that you get to have somebody as talented as him playing the villain in an action movie. Uh, just the whole concept of Oscar nominees playing villains in action movies, as we as we mentioned, you know, Oldman in, in Air Force One and, and Ledger in Dark Knight. You have PSH here. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris and The Rock. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, you don't get a lot of them. It's no. not that common, especially nowadays in these big budget action movies. You don't you don't just jam Philip Seymour Hoffman into a movie. Right. It almost feels like the, this came at that time when it was still acceptable. It's like the end of it, too. The yeah. 90s was like the big, that was like the big era for it. Because you look at Mission Impossible 4, that guy's like whatever to me. Like, he yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like, he looks like he'd try to sell you a Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. But, and he's evil. But he's not, like... Almost every single time Philip Seymour Hoffman is on screen, yeah. you're just like, oh, man. Yeah. Here we go. He's unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, production development on this movie I want to get into. Uh, we, we will talk about that in just a second. But really quickly first, guys, I want to tell you that you should look into iTunes. You can find this as an audio podcast on iTunes. If you look on iTunes, you will find that Popcorn Talk hosts many, many shows. And ours, Action Movie Anatomy, is available to you as a download. Please rate us. Find us on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Find us on YouTube. It is in your best interest to find us on YouTube. And if you don't, you're going to die. <laughs> you can't keep telling our audience they're going to die, sorry, man. They're going to stop watching. Ed, you're not really going to die. It's just that's what Tom, Tom Cruise would say, his aggressive sincerity. I just no, kidding. really, you will die. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so please, rate us on iTunes, YouTube, all, all of the accessories to help us do the show. Yeah. And uh, let's get into production development. How so, was this movie made, Bateman? This movie was shot all over the place. Uh, all of the locations mentioned, none of them were cheated. So they shoot the scenes at the Vatican in Rome. They mm-hmm. shoot it in, in Rome. Uh, they had such an enormous amount of spectators around in Rome that they had to have a second unit, like a proxy second a f- unit. Completely fake. Like a half mile down the way, just with like women in bikinis and cameras set up. And nuns? And nuns. What's that all about? Just to look like there was something happening to draw attention away from the actual shoots. They could go about their business. And they, it worked. Yeah, so they shot there. They shot in Shanghai, China for the mm-hmm. scenes at the end where Cruz is just the most dominant runner in the business. Oh, dom- yeah. You know that Cruz's Twitter page? It says, uh, running in movies since 1981. <laughs> it says, actor, producer, running in movies since 1981. Like, he's in on the He owns joke. it. He knows. Yeah. He knows he's the greatest runner of all time. He's a fantastic runner. He, he looks like he's going so fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just gets... Yeah, it's amazing. So, um... You know what those short legs? He's probably going like seven miles an hour. He just takes off. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, they shot in Shanghai. They did a bunch of scenes in Los Angeles, both at the Paramount lot, uh-huh. yep. uh, as well as they built like a whole, they, they outfitted like this entire warehouse building into that, that building where they shoot the scenes with Carrie Russell. Right. 
at the beginning. Uh, and then the bridge scene, which is supposed to be... Love that scene. Yeah, the bridge scene, which is... The, we'll get into ultimate action scenes later, so maybe we'll, we'll get into yeah, that in yeah. a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the film was pretty massive. A $150 million budget, and was the first time, actually, that a budget that large was given to a first-time director. Right, Mr. J.J. Abrams. Because this was Abrams' first movie. Yeah, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. I know that he was a master producer on Alias and Lost, but for some reason I thought that he had directed more than, I believe, two episodes each of those shows. Yeah. I thought he'd done a lot more, personally. I don't know why. I didn't really watch him. Lost and Alias. Yeah, I didn't watch him. Well, but he was I, a creator of Alias. That's his show. Right. Yeah, yeah, so that's like... But I just figured that he oh, directed oh, as, as a director. As a director, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not producer, not creator, writer, just director. Sure, sure. And it was surprising to me to, to see that. Yeah, agreed. So this movie, uh, you know, Frank Darabont, I think you had mentioned, was yeah, originally involved. Yeah, he had his fingers in the very, very beginning of writing the screenplay. And you guys know him from The Walking Dead, Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile. Um, I'm not sure how much of it actually came through, but I just thought it was interesting to see that, like, you got Frank Darabont in here. You got J.J. Abrams. You got Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like, you have all these massive people that all had their fingers in this movie. Yeah, Cruise, uh, off, off record, obviously not a direct quote, but he, in an interview, had mentioned that he was just at home one night and, and they were they were working on production development of this movie and plotting it. Because the second one had made so much money, it was inevitable they were going to make the third one. Yeah. Uh, and Cruise was really, as we said, sort of peaking. So uh, he just was watching an episode of Alias one night at home and he just was like... Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was like, this guy is great. He's like, the pacing here is so good. I want J.J. to direct Mission Impossible 3. Like, no no care in the world that he had never directed a movie nope. like this. $150 million? Here you go, man. Good yeah, luck. Good luck. Like, I trust you completely to do this. And as you can see from 2 to 3, his direction makes this movie so much more believable. Yeah. It makes it so much more real, like... I think the, the thing, the first thing that pops in my head is that Tom Cruise is at that party where his wife, or, or I guess at the time girlfriend, Michelle Monaghan, has no idea what he does. Yeah. And he gets that phone call. It's like, blah, 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 you know, we, you're needed. Right. It's, it's his mission calling. And yeah, then he yeah. meets Billy Crudup in like a 7-Eleven, and then he gives him the, the thing. And the disposable yeah, camera. And he watches it on there. Do you remember how he got his mission in Mission Impossible 2? Oh, please, tell us. <laughs> I would love to. So uh, he's free-form rock climbing out in the middle of God knows where. Yeah. Just doing these insane jumps and, and like, pulling himself up. You're going like, to die. He slips and starts slips. sliding. Yeah, yeah. But he's fine. Yeah. He's cool. No, he, he catches himself? Yep, one yeah. hand. Yeah. He gets to the top. He's like, Whew, that was close. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets to the top, and then a helicopter comes out of nowhere. And it shoots like a rocket-propelled like bank tube, you know those yeah, things. Yeah, like, right. One of those. Yeah, yeah. Shoots it right into the rock, and then up out of the top comes sunglasses. Yeah, that he then puts on to of get course. his mission. They're Oakleys, right? Yeah, it's yeah. And it's like Anthony Anthony Hopkins' voice, and yeah, he's like talking about how I can't even take a vacation with you guys or whatever. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? This is so much more believable just down to him getting his mission. Of course. You're like watching this movie, you're like, this is so much smarter than the second one, thank God. Yeah. Well, John Woo did the second movie. And John Woo, he had gained a lot of popularity in the 90s for doing Face Off. And obviously his his two films, uh, he has two gigantic films. Hard Boiled, I think, is him. Uh, or maybe I'm I'm mixing up John Woo movies, but John Woo, who was very very famous, right. obviously overseas, and they, they brought him in to do this because he was so popular. He's just so gimmicky. Yeah, I mean, second face-off with, like, the white doves. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the gold guns and everything. So, Mission Impossible, I mean, like, as, as you said, this movie kind of rebranded all that. And I think they were very aware of it. Yeah, totally. They, they In this movie, there's only two instances where they use the transforming face. Yeah. Which, the first time they do it, the makeup and the, and the, the editing of that yeah. is awesome. In this movie. Yeah, so you put he puts on the mask, and, and it's just, like, so loose, and you can just see it's Tom Cruise with his yeah. mask on. And then the camera kind of comes around, 
and they're like pushing the face yeah, together. Yeah. You're like, okay, it kind of looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman. You can still see the eyes are Cruz. Yeah. And then he goes up, and the camera's coming back around, and he like pushes on the eyes, and it's like, and then it's seamlessly Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. With, with uh, Tom Cruise's voice, it's really good. Yeah, I agree. That moment I thought was that was almost another fist pump moment for me, just because like this is how it should be done every time. Yeah. I don't want to just see him with the mask on and then pulling it off later. And it's cool too when you see like Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, running around. It's supposed to be Cruise as Philip Seymour Hoffman. But, yeah. But PSH is running around and like jumping through vents, and that's actually Philip Seymour Hoffman having to like do Cruise mannerisms. And he's moving like Cruise yeah, does, and yeah. he's crawling like he does, and yeah, it's. That's another thing is Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good. Yeah. He can even just make you he can make you believe that Tom Cruise is in his body. One of, yeah, I one of the interviews for for this for prep for this that I watched with with PSH um again indirect quote but he's essentially saying that like it's very very wild for him to be in a movie like this and to watch the dailies of him doing like a fist fight right. like a, a physical fight with Tom Cruise because like he's just I'm so not used to doing that sort of thing yeah, he's like him. it's crazy to watch it he's like I can't even so th- I thought that was pretty cool the, the idea of like you know sometimes you think about what it would be like for a, a male and a female co-star to work together maybe and they have to have a relationship and sleep together in the movie or something You're like right. I wonder what that would be like for them to have to go do that then you it's like just the same thing it's like having yeah, you look a fist at a guy fight like with Philip Tom Seymour Cruise Hoffman having a, exactly a fist fight with Tom Cruise it's like He's, he's like you say. He's watching. He's like, "What the hell am I doing? Right? Is this me? Yeah, it's super. And he's great. Anyway, I, I'm sorry. I got sidetracked there. I just got so excited yeah, talking yeah. about that. No worries. So, uh, so to promote the film Paramount Rig, like 4,500 randomly selected Los Angeles Times vending boxes with digital audio players that when it opened would play the uh, the theme the song. Theme songs, yeah. And some of them malfunctioned and like fell out when they when they would try to take the papers out. And then people, some people thought they were like bomb threats. Oh yeah, they shut down a hospital. Yeah. There was like a whole, like a whole, that they were just like, this is cool enough, we're just gonna leave them in. Yeah, they didn't care. Yeah. They saw this was going on, like, yeah, whatever. People will deal with it. I thought that was like a pretty cool little bit. Yeah, exactly. You'd like open, you'd like open it, and you're like, what the, what's happening? And they're just like, Bob! Bob! Right. <laughs> 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 It'd be so sweet to have a Mission Impossible theme play when you like open your fridge. Oh, yeah. You know, flush the toilet, anything. The Tom Cruise frizz. You are out of eggs. Yeah. You need to go get groceries or you're going to die. Protein in your body. You're going to die. Yeah. yeah, It it is funny. Like, one of of the things, and I was noticing this later later in the movie when um, he's talking to Michelle Monaghan. And he's like, I have to leave. I have to go out of town again. And she's like, what's going on? Like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And she looks at him and she goes, what are you not telling me? And I remembered... The line from Edge of Tomorrow, it's yep. the same line that Emily Blood says. She's like, what are you not telling me? Yep. Like, I wonder how many lines he says or his co-stars say the same lines for, for dramatic effect. Yeah, because then he goes, trust me. I need you to trust me. I need yeah. you to trust me. I need you to trust me. Which, I swear to God, he says that in every movie. That's like Harrison, where's my family? Yeah, right, exactly. Tom Cruise says this in every movie. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. So so he produced this movie. Yeah, Cruise. So this was, this was, uh, we can, we can actually just get into the next bit of this. Okay. Um, we, we'll start with producers. So, so he and Paula Wagner are the major producers on this movie. There's about six others. Um, some of them are like supervising producers. Some are overseas. I didn't list any of them. They, they have, some of them have notable filmographies. They've yeah. got some, some real credits. Uh, but there's no like, there's no like Bruce Berman on this movie. No, no. It's, it's these two guys. Yeah. So, so Paula Wagner and Cruise, what happened here was in 2005 when War of the Worlds came out, that movie made a ton of money because all of the fiasco stuff we had talked about with going on Oprah and jumping on Oprah's couch, proclaiming his love for Katie Holmes was one thing. 
the Scientology video that came out of him doing the speech about if he, he sees somebody, he thinks he's the only person that can save them. There was the thing that happened with Matt Lauer, uh, where he's your glib bat, and he's, he's basically having an argument about antidepressants, postpartum depression, and Brooke Shields, and the way she handled her postpartum depression. Right, right. And he's, he's essentially saying that you don't need to, you know, do any of that stuff. He's also got that thing with, like I said, South Park, where he, like, didn't yeah. want him to air the episode because Trapped in the Closet was too offensive for him, and blah, blah, blah. And then... They went back and they had to edit out because it became like a battle yeah. between these two mo- like two production yeah. companies essentially, and and they ended up having to edit out edit out in the final episode of South Park or the final cut of it like, don't go see Mission Impossible three coming out in May sixth. You know, right. like that was in the episode just because they were just wanted to be like an f you straight to Tom Cruise. So yeah, basically. You have to, if you're a big fan of movies or sports, it's kind of the same thing. Public personalities and their careers, you have to kind of learn to separate them. I mean, I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. I think he's, like, the greatest. Like, I love him as an actor. Yep. I've never met Tom Cruise. He's one of the ten interviews I would hope to get in my life someday. Everything I've heard is that he's the coolest guy on Earth. His personal politics about Scientology, that's not something that interests me. I don't care. Like, no, I don't care. He's an actor. Yeah. I care about what he does as an actor. Exactly. That's what I will talk to him about, is, is that stuff. So, uh... With that stuff, it really sunk his career and the success of this movie. And in turn, what happened was their distribution deal was not renewed, uh, and this movie didn't make any money. This no. movie was a huge, basically tank. It was the worst. Yeah, like it did. It didn't. Uh, it didn't even break even in the U.S. for a Tom Cruise movie for a Mission Impossible movie. The Mission Impossible Four made almost. Seven hundred million dollars worldwide. Yeah, this movie. I mean, I'm getting ahead yeah. of myself. We'll get into the budget. So Paul Wagner, who I mentioned before, was his agent at CAA and started Wagner Crews with him. They then did they revived United Artists, mm-hmm. which was an old defunct studio that originally had been put out of business because of Heaven's Gate, the huge Michael Cimino, Michael Cimino, yeah, Michael Cimino disaster movie that was his follow up to Deer Hunter. That's a whole story for another time. But they revived United Artists right. uh, and they decided to make it their own studio by 2008 when. Lines for Lambs tanked. Valkyrie didn't make much money. This movie, which was not part of their studio, didn't make any money. Paula Wagner stepped down. Yeah. Uh, she now she's worked with Cruz on Jack Reacher since then, but it's it hasn't been the same company. So the production on this movie was sort of like uh, you know unsuccessful. I guess it's a little unfair that Wagner was looped in as a failure and Cruz was a success based on the fact that like his career and like nobody really wanted to touch Cruz the ten foot pole at this point right. in his career. So that's kind of the producers behind this and how that all worked. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer because she just kind of had to take the bullet yeah, for what had, was going on. They had done so much good work damage, together. You know? yeah. Like every every movie he did between like eighty something and oh six, she was hers in most of them. Yeah, yeah, they produced yeah. all of them together. Um, well, between ninety three and oh six, they produced yeah. them together. But she was she was his agent before that. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was written by Alex Kurtzman and Robert Roberto Orchi. So they were guys that originally worked together on Hercules, the legendary journey, uh, legendary journeys. And they met, Ab- they met Abrams on Alias, which was his show with Jennifer Garner that he created. They wrote some episodes for Alias. Uh, they ended up being, for a few years there, pretty much the premier writers of tentpole films in Hollywood. So they wrote Transformers 1 together. Uh, they wrote Mission Impossible 3. They wrote Star Trek. 2008, they wrote Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, very, very successful guys. So they had their own company they started called KO Paper Products. Produced a bunch of stuff, including, uh, what, what did they produce? Including Star Trek Into Darkness, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Ender's Game. Very successful stuff. In 2014, they decided to split as a writing team, and they're working on their own projects. Amicable split, not no bad blood, but... Right. I mean, um, you can only do so much with... 
with two people. Yeah. Like, with one other person, you know, like writing films. Yeah, they're going Especially into... Especially if you're this successful, yeah, try it out on your own. Yeah, they're going into direction. It, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like Orchie has been rumored to direct the third Star Trek installment, and, uh, Kurtzman has been attached to the Spider-Man spinoff of Venom. So, they're, they're both pretty successful dudes in their own right. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, KO Paper Products will continue on as a television production company, but the film side of it is dissolved now. Well, they had a good run, man. They did, absolutely. So th- this movie was one of the big hits for them early, because this is 06. I think Transformers is 07. Mm-hmm. The rest of those movies were after. So this was a big, like, knock it out of the park in terms of quality, which is funny because the movie didn't make any money. Right. Like, this movie didn't make any money. And, I mean, let, yeah, let's just get into the money then, because I, I just want to talk about it. Well, let's talk, let's talk about uh, Abrams quickly. All right, before, before all right. I, the, the whole money thing just blows my mind. Like the critical reception and the money thing is just getting to me. So, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So, well, yeah, no worries. We'll, we'll we'll get into Abrams first. So, Abrams was a guy who most of you probably know the name J.J. Abrams at this point. Absolutely. I mean, he's a massive. He's legendary. He's really well known for handling like sci-fi, adventure, mm-hmm. and superhero properties with a really elegant touch. I mean, the dude's only directed four movies before he gets the nod to do the new Star Wars movies. I mean, and this was... He had never directed a movie before right. this. Right. He goes Mission Impossible 3. He got Super 8. He got the two Star Treks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, hey, here's the Star Wars franchise. Well, Star Trek was such a great reboot. Oh, it was amazing. That was another one that was like, are you really going to give this... You're going to give Star Trek... But no one thought that at the time. Yeah, everybody no was like, was, a Star Trek reboot? Yeah. They are like, eh? And then it was like, so good. But I think the fact that J.J. Abrams was doing it was never like a moment of like, what, what are you guys doing? Because well, they yeah. had that with Star Wars a little bit. Well, he exe- so he executive produced Lost, which mm-hmm. is one of the all-time most popular shows, beloved by a lot of people. Yep. He created Felicity in 98, ran for four seasons. Ben's favorite show. Which, by the way, he also composed the theme song for. Really? He's a composer, writer, producer, and director. He composed the theme song. How's this guy such a genius? I don't know. Uh, Some people just have it all. All, yeah. <laughs> Alias, he created, uh, produced every episode of the show. As we said, Lost. And he was even writing films and producing films in the 90s regarding Henry. Yeah. Gone Fishing with Danny Glover. And, and Love it. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, yeah. 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 Uh, that's him. He, he uh, So, yeah, he's he was, you know, pretty pretty notable. Oh, Armageddon, he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's pretty pretty wild. Or did he write it or did he produce it? One or the other. Um, don't put me on record on that. But I know he was involved in Armageddon. What do you think about him doing the Star Wars movies? Uh, total faith. Total faith. Total faith, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the trailers. Also, one of my good friends is uh, the the editor who's been working on the Star Wars trailer. So okay. he's seen all the footage. Uh, and he's got great things to say about really? it. Really? All right. That's exciting for me. That's exciting for everyone, I'm sure. Yeah, Because yeah. the last three Star Wars movies that came out were not good. No. They were not enjoyable. No. The And the trailers have been sweet. They've yeah. been really good. The trailer was sweet. People cried in the trailer. Yeah, no, just because of Harrison Ford and just like just feel like move the movie coming back. You know we're what home. I mean? We're home, Chewie. Yeah. Where's my family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. So anyway, Abrams is a, is a freaking genius. The, the the guy at this point could turn poop into gold. He can do anything. Like I, I have faith in him to do anything. No. Yeah. I at this point I would trust him completely. It's interesting that he hasn't been involved in the Mission Impossible franchise since the third one. I would think, yeah, that's surprising to me. But there's a new, there's like a new team of really well, on capable. On the fourth people. one, he did produce a little bit, I believe. He's like listed as one of the producers. Oh, he produced so, but he's, he's like lower down. Lower down. As is Tom Cruise. Not involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the fifth one, yeah, it's like McQuarrie and mm-hmm. and yeah. So anyway, yeah, we can get into box office now. Good. Uh, Good. I'll let you get into it. <laughs> All right. So this was produced by Paramount. It was the last film that uh, they distributed for the the Wagner and Cruise production company before they decided not to renew the deal exactly yeah. this is this is it 
Uh, this movie cost $150 million. We, cost, we talked about it already. This is the largest budget to be given to a first-time feature film director. We don't need to right. we're done to keep going through it. Open May 5th, 2006. It made $134 million. That's it. Cost 150 And this is domestic. Right. Yeah. Worldwide, the cruise movies always do a little better. Yeah, they always do better. It ended up making, you know, 263 worldwide, and it made almost 400 million total. Yeah. Which, Which is pretty good. It's like, that's like, it's, this is a similar treatment that we were giving the Edge of Tomorrow review. Right. It's the same sort of thing where you're like, well, it didn't like tank. It made money. It's just, it's just in the States it tanked, which is, it's so surprising that this movie wouldn't have done well. But I, I get it because of what was going on at the time. It's a year after War of the Worlds, man. All that stuff happened. All that stuff happened in, in like fall, winter. By the time this movie came out, people just did not want to give Cruise any money. They were just like, this guy, I just don't, I'm just turned off by Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, this is my favorite of the, of the four films. Yeah. I do love number four. And number four is, is, is widely renowned as the best one. It's right. got like a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Um, Number two is like a joke. Yeah. But I watched a lot as a kid. Hunt. Hunt. <laughs> uh, everyone like is wearing one of those masks at the time. Do we have the uh, the visual for the Mission Impossible films here? Yeah, we do. We, uh, we, we have the Mission Impossible gross worldwide and domestic. So here we go. These, these are broken down. They're not in any particular order up there. Uh, but as you can see, Mission Impossible 3 is behind all of them by a lot. Yeah. Like the next closest one is Mission Impossible 1. You got to think about inflation. Yeah, that's that's an eleven year difference. Like yeah. make, making one hundred eighty million in ninety five is pretty darn good. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. Especially because the budget was nothing compared to this, and it opened in a thousand less theaters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was another thing about this movie. This is the this is the fourth largest theater opening of a movie ever. Forty five hundred theaters or more. Four thousand fifty five or fifty four, okay. and then ended up going up and down a little bit you sure, know, sure. as the weeks went on, but. With that big of an opening, and it had it had the you know it had one opening weekend. Yeah, it actually was still winning second opening weekend, but it dropped. So the first weekend it made forty seven million dollars, right? Which is great. It looks like, uh, I mean, it could be better, obviously. Yeah, but, but you're could, happy. With yeah, you're happy with forty seven million. You do that three weeks in a row, you made your money back. Uh, but at the second weekend it drops to twenty five million. Yeah, and it's still number one. Right, but it drops almost you know twenty million dollars in a weekend. Right. And then the third weekend, it just it's eleven million. Just completely doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Da Vinci Code makes seventy seven million dollars. Yeah. And Over the Hedge makes what? Forty thirty eight million dollars. This is kind of exactly what we're talking about with Mad Max. Mad Max made forty four, but Pitch Perfect made seventy six. Right. It's like forty five is fine, but if you know, you just said it made seventy six, like yeah. That's that's like you know thirty million dollar difference. This should be the biggest opening movie. Right. I mean, it opened at forty seven million. Da Vinci Code opened at seventy seven million in less theaters. Like that's people. Like you said, no one wanted to see Tom Cruise doing things anymore. Right. Even if it had an Academy Award winner in the movie. Yeah. So it's funny that this is, it's his 10th highest grossing movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think we have that graphic to throw up there, but his 10 highest grossing films in order are War of the Worlds, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 4, Mission Impossible 1, Top Gun, Rain Man, The Firm, Jerry Maguire, A Few Good Men, and Mission Impossible 3. The fact that Mission Impossible 3 is the 10th highest grossing film, right. but cost $150 million to make, it's pretty wild. And for all those movies made in the 90s and the 80s, you got to take in inflation. And yeah. Like the amount of the dollar. That's a massive difference. It's also, you can just see the effect of the scandal, considering War of the Worlds is number one. Right. Which, it's the year it before. It was fine. It's not as good of a movie. Not at all. No. But it's, it, it, it is entertaining. It is entertaining. But it's it made so much, <laughs> it's so much more money. It's just, it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, again, it, the movie's only in theaters for two and a half months. Right. They pulled it. Avatar was in theaters for 
ten mo- or eight months. Yeah, and this you know is, what I mean. I mean, cruise movies from the nineties, like Jerry Maguire, was in theaters forever. Yeah, I mean, it was in theaters for like six months or something like that. People like hated this movie. They just didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do want to jump uh, jump up to ultimate action scene. So let's let's talk critical for a minute here. Okay. So critical reception. Um, like I said, this is my favorite movie. It ended up getting uh, it is certified fresh. It's got a seventy percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. It is not even close to the ninety three percent for Ghost Protocol. Okay, um, which I get it. Ghost Protocol is, uh, Protocol is a very good movie, and um, people wanted to like Protocol. That's the difference. That's true. It was it was it had been long enough to where they're like, I want to give Tom yeah. Cruise another chance because we have to talk about like you know these reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. In a lot of cases, from 06 are just these are critics that walked into the theater expecting to be disappointed so right. maybe that peppered their experience it's not like the reviews have changed over the last 10 years yeah and there was a couple of interesting quotes that i pulled from uh, a few uh, critics because i thought they were they were just interesting to hear what they had to say so roger ebert i don't know if you've heard of him i've heard of him yeah, yeah like uh, itself <laughs> he gave it a marginal thumbs down um and he gave it like a two and a half stars out of four saying and and i quote either you want to see mindless action and computer generated sequences executed with breakneck speed and technical pre- technical precision or you do not. I'm getting to the point to where I don't much care. Sure. So that's just a weird review to me because it's like, okay, y- you don't really appreciate the movie because you're getting old and you don't like good action anymore. Right. You, you, you can't respect what's going on in this movie. Like, I, I think that the action is very well choreographed. I think that the scenes are great. Oh, six. I mean, Eber, Eber was getting pretty, he was getting up there. He was yeah. getting older. Um, but the other one that I want to talk about, which is weird because it, it kind of did resonate with me because I remember when this movie came out. Yeah. And I watched it in theaters. I think I went, like, within the first couple weekends because yep. I was excited. Uh, and then I just kind of forgot about it. And that's what uh, this guy said. Um, his name is Peter von der Haar. Von der Haar. Of Film Threat. And he said, you may be mildly entertained, but damned if you'll remember any of it five minutes later. See, and that's just, it's not true. It's not true, but at the time it was. Right. That's why the drop-off is so massive every weekend. People just didn't... Yeah, I, They I saw think, it, and they were like, oh, that was pretty good. And then they walked out to the theater, and then, oh, oh, I got a text. And they just forgot. They didn't tell anyone. They don't tell anyone to go see it. They're like, oh, yeah, I saw it. Uh, I don't remember a lot about it, but it I was... Guess, I guess it is weird, because I, I guess I remember seeing this movie in theaters. I, re- I remember the theater I saw it at. And then it was years before I saw it again. And when I did see it again, I totally had an, this yeah. is awesome moment. Same. But I was kind of reminded of it. Like, I, I didn't regard the movie as well. No. It was, yeah, it was this very vanilla response. I wonder why that was. I do, too, because it's such a good movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman is so memorable in it, and, and this is, a like I said earlier, it's kind of like a reboot feeling. Well, so, okay, something interesting to talk about here, and, and we will get to the ultimate action scene, the bridge scene, in just a minute here, guys, but one thing I want to bring up is that we're in this day and age now, we talk about this with action movies all the time, because of the nature of our show, where franchise branding is everything. Right. So a studio is way more likely to bankroll a franchise movie, something that has to do with a previously existing franchise or a, a, a franchise that existed long ago, like Mad Max, than they are to take a chance on something like Edge of Tomorrow, right. some random movie that's just a, a rando and hope it makes money. You know, hedging on a star's name instead of a franchise name. So you look at, like, this franchise, and you look at the Fast and the Furious franchise. These are two of the most successful franchises out right now. Yeah. Fast and the Furious, the fourth movie was kind of the rebranding. And that was in 2008. Right. Fast and Furious. They brought the whole original cast back after two and three had dropped off to like less notable and then not notable actors at all. The fourth movie, they paid them all the money they wanted. I don't think it's a lot of money. Like a lot of money. 15 to 20 million each for like the stars, I'm pretty sure. Made the movie, made a huge amount of money. Now that's the most successful action franchise out there. Yes. Each movie, like the seven just made a billion dollars. Yeah, it's insane. 
this this franchise is kind of the same way. They were like, after two, it was like, okay, eh, you know, we can't just rely on ridiculous stunts. Even Let's, though two was pretty damn successful, oh, it made a lot of money, absolutely. But I'm saying the re- sucked. The rebranding. This was sort of the halfway point. They were like, we'll get Philip Seymour Hoffman. We'll kind of do the same thing. We'll make it much more believable. And then four was like, okay, this is a really successful franchise. We'll sink. We'll we'll bet the farm on this now because yeah. This just always makes money. Yeah, I mean, they got Jeremy Renner, who was at, like the top of his game, right? Yeah, there, right. You know, you have to think that the fifth movie, it's coming out in July, is going to make a lot of money. It's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. I'm going to be there. Uh, absolutely, it looks insane. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, how is he hanging off of a taking off jet plane? He's probably doing the stunt himself. How he is? He is doing it. No wires, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I just, I like, I watch that. And I'm like, how the hell does he get down from here? Yeah, I can't wait. That's like the main reason I even want to watch the movies for that one scene. There's like some sweet like motorcycle or wearing a Hawaiian shirt stuff. Yeah, he looks good, and he's he's just awesome. He's just the man. So, uh, all right, we, we want to get into. We talked a little bit about principal photography. We we talked about budget reviews. Yeah. Let's get into the ultimate action scene a little bit. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So the this is the this is the bridge scene, and this was supposed to originally be filmed in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a great bridge that they wanted to do the thing on, but basically because of yeah, I guess we, we can show the yeah, scene let's, here. Let's watch. Let's watch it. Let's cue it up. Um, this is the one from the trailer that I I remember when this movie was out. Yeah. I remember seeing the trailer. There's one shot in particular from this that is like very very memorable. It's like, oh yeah, it's right here. Ethan, get out of the car. Ethan Rams so sweet. Oh, he's great. My man. <laughs> he's the only guy that's been in all the movies other than Ethan. Yeah, this is such this a sweet scene right, right here. here. Yeah, boom, it's perfect. And then the jet flies over. Yeah, and he's kind of shaken up, but not really. He's Tom Cruise. Yeah, like he's like pretty shaken up. I mean, that would probably hurt incredibly badly. Oh yeah. This is my favorite era of Cruise. This is what yeah, I've decided. This is great. This, and that that stretch of Which, movies. That was another thing that was sweet. Was that like orange goo they shot on the side? Yeah, to knock yeah, it yeah. Out? It's awesome. And the best part about the scene for me is is the lead up to it, where which is it has the quote with Philip Seymour Hoffman, where he's like he's not even scared, he's not even phased, he's hung no. out of a plane, yeah, because he knows that he can't kill him, and and Philip also knows he's gonna get away, yeah. No big deal, just shooting down a military drone with a G thirty six. Awesome scene. And then the jump. Do it. Slow mo cruise just just flailing. This is he did this stunt himself, ladies and gentlemen. No wires. It's not true. There's wires. There's definitely definitely wires. Not true. I lied. (laughs) He does like seventy percent of his own stunts. Oh yeah, always. Uh, which is ironic in this film that he broke a couple ribs from turning too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not from actually doing anything. Not from that shot we just saw. Yeah. Which you would think shatter his ribcage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Breaks back in half. And then this. This is another one of those moments where the guy is getting shot at with a fully automatic gun, kind of like in Rambo. And he just week. doesn't, he just doesn't even, even move. Doesn't flinch. Doesn't care. Ah, oh, so you, good. A little bit you're like, how are you not hitting him? I know. You're like you're supposed to be you're like the incredible best shot. marksman. Like earlier when the plane or the helicopter's flying by, he's shooting with a handgun. Yeah, and you can see it hitting the plane. Yeah, it's because Philip sees in there. He's got that bubble. Yeah, force, Sweet. force field, if you will, of evil. Of evil. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So this was supposed to be filmed in Virginia, but mm-hmm. they decided because the margin for error was too low, um, they really couldn't film it on a real bridge, like like take a chunk out of a bridge, right. or anything like that. Even just CGIing the chunk out, just just the amount of of weight you'd have to have on the bridge, exploding cars, all that. So they went out to Calabasas, and they they actually laid concrete and built yeah. a bridge portion of the superstructure, mm-hmm. uh, and they CG'd like the water and a bunch of stuff behind it, and they filmed all of this. That stunt of Cruz running, he said he's another another editor quote, but he's like saying, I basically knew I had to run full clip. I had to run full clip and rid my mind of the notion that anything was going to happen so that when the explosion did happen, right, it would just jerk and yeah. the wires just pull him yeah. towards the car. Uh, it would, it would be like totally real. Absolutely. I mean, this scene, this one moment, not even this scene, this one moment yeah. was what was, was they were using to sell this movie. They it was kept in all their trailers. It. They showed it on every little clip they had. Yeah. And it's what I remember. Me from, too. From 2006. I it, remember seeing that. Yeah, that's the one shot that I remembered. Yeah. It's that he gets thrown into the car. And there's so, he's, he's, again, there's, there's a video of him and Abrams looking at the dailies. Right. And Cruz is like, Cruz is like, yes, the concussion of the blast. You could see the concussion of the blast. You know, I mean, not direct quote. Right. I was, excuse myself there, but uh, something like that. And, and it's just awesome. Like, he's so excited about it. It's a great shot. Oh, that's great. His body like flies to the side. He hits the car. The, the window explodes. It's just perfectly choreographed to look so believable. And then and you pull up and the drone flies over. Yeah, yeah. That's re- it's really cool. So that's definitely the one that I I remember the, the you know the best from the selling of the film. But they, uh, you know, the, the the shot took quite a while. Just that one shot, just shooting it, that took all day. Oh yeah, I, I can totally imagine that. I mean, that's yeah. just got you got all the pyrotechnics behind it, which uh, one of the Stuntman ended yeah. up suing the production company because uh, during one of the shots, in an explosion, something misfired and he was engulfed in flames. Like he had like burns over sixty percent of his body. Like yeah. this is real. This is a real thing. Saw People that. get hurt doing this. You yeah, know? yeah, insane. Totally nuts. So uh, yeah, that I mean that kind of covers it for for that scene. Yeah, I mean like what what I like I said, what I really love about that scene is you're leading up to to it with this nonchalant I don't care if you kill me Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah but it's not even I don't care if you kill me it's you're not gonna kill me right and I'm gonna get away I mean the whole movie the thing it's like so full of these great scenes there's the scene where he jumps off the the roof of the building mm-hmm. and he swings on the rope and then he's sliding down the he and he the shoots glass, the two guys, shooting the guys all that's awesome it's great that's a great one and for some reason it's not too much no that's a great one. You know, you, you have like uh, this with Carrie Russell when the thing in her brain blows up. Oh her my god, eye, it's super eye, gnarly. It's great. The makeup on that eye is so real and so believable. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot we, we don't even really have time to talk about. You know, I, I love the line where uh, Lawrence Fishburne, like Billy Crudup, says something to him. You know, he's like, I think as operation director, he says something, and I believe Lawrence Fishburne says to him, "Excuse me, did you just throw a title at me, Mister Musgrave? I don't care if your daddy plays golf with the president." Right. That's Are- like. The it's, movie's just sweet. It's part, every single line that Lawrence Fishburne says, yeah. he's like, he's like, Hunt, I, and this isn't a direct quote, yeah. I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's like, I will bleed on the flag myself to make sure those stripes stay red, or yeah, something yeah. like that, you know? Like, every line he says is epic. Or, um, or what's he say? He's like, he's like, you. it's unfortunate that you would judge, and he's like, it's unfortunate that chocolate makes you fat, but I've eaten my fair share, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like exactly. so many good lines. So you get to say your favorite line, I'm going to go into mine, and it's by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. It's the, who are you? Yeah. What's your name? Do you have a wife, a girlfriend? Because if you do, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. I want to make her bleed and cry and call out your name and then I'm going to find you and kill you right in front of her. Such a good line. 
And they use it in all the trailers because yeah. he's so badass. So, okay, we talked about in Edge of Tomorrow, uh, I, I, we did this once already, about how there's the difference between the way he delivers the lines in the movie mm-hmm. and the way that he says them in the trailer. Same thing here. Not Cruz in this case, but as yeah, PSH, yeah. in the trailer, it's like, you have a wife, girlfriend, I'm going to like I'm gonna find her and I'm going to kill you right in front yeah, of her. Yeah, they cut around it and they use, they use the audio from different clips, I believe. Yeah, and it's just, it's in the trailer, it's much more dramatic, and in the movie, it's much more believable. Right. That's a great method that I, apparently in cruise movies, it's like very common. Maybe it's just common in a lot of trailers. Maybe I just notice it It does more. happen a good amount in trailers. I've noticed that. Cause yeah. I'll, I'll be waiting to hear the line, like, just the way I want to hear it in the trailer. Yeah. And if you don't hear it, you're kind of, like, disappointed. But in this in this instance, it's, it's I'm very happy. Dark Knight's another one, yep. Yeah. Um, my favorite line in this movie is where he's realizing that uh, that he has to go do this crazy operation where he's going to, like, jump off a bridge. Or he's going to jump off the building and swing into whatever. We just talked about it. And Ving Rhames is like, Ethan, I don't have a better plan. Or whatever. And he's like, is that your Ving Rhames uh, voice? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, I was just... <laughs> and then he looks at Cruz looks at him. He's like, he's like, God damn it. It's 8-12. It's We've got two hours until they kill my wife. Are you in or not? Like, I just yeah. love, it's just like so cruise. It's like the stakes are high. Yeah. And, and he, it's the everyday man. He's not like, let's go do this. It's no. like, I need you. And he trips up on his line. He almost says it's 811. Then he says it's 812. I love stuff like that in movies. Yeah. It's a great way for the line to come out. So that's, yeah, that's definitely, I think, my favorite line. I also, I do really, really like the excuse me, did you throw a title thing? That's a really yeah. good line. Yeah. My honorable mention line is also from Philip Seymour Hoffman where he's like, oh no, it's fine. I always spill red wine on my white custom yeah. made shirt. Or the, the <laughs> other one that, that uh, Fishburne has is Mr. Mus- Grave, please don't interrupt me while I'm asking rhetorical questions. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great. great line. I love that one. I always use that one as my as my go to. Yeah, he's just Fishburne is really good at this. He is really good in it. Yeah, he's... Billy Crudup on the other hand, I feel is completely replaceable. But Lawrence Fishburne was yeah, great. I would agree. All right, so let's let's get to hero rank, villain, hero and villain. This is an exciting one. I'm gonna jump in first. Yeah. All okay. right, go ahead. Um, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is: there's been four iterations of Ethan Hunt, right? There's been four iterations we've seen and a fifth coming. Yeah. This is the best Ethan Hunt. To me, this is the best age. Yep. Cruz looks more jacked in this role. I it seems like he put size on, or maybe he's like older in the fourth one. I'm not sure what it is. It, maybe it's like the shirt that he's wearing, but he looks jacked. Like yeah. he looks physically more intimidating as the part in this one than he has in the other movies. He's the right age. He's that His acting chops are incredible. Very in good. Yeah. yeah. He's he's that like questionable 35. You like can't quite tell how old right. he is, but he looks like he should be about 35 in this movie. Um, this is, I think Ethan Hunt, like I think the character Ethan Hunt, and if you were going to use this example of him in my mind as the highest ranking, mm-hmm. this is a top ten action star. This yeah. is the top ten top ten action character. Um, okay, so my my, you well, know what? No, I, okay, so I would probably put him in top fifteen. Okay, he and it's for all the same reasons that that, that you just gave. And you you go MI three is the best Ethan Hunt. Yes, okay. definitely. Like I, he's good in MI one, MI two. It's a little ridiculous. Which is the best Ethan Hunt guys? By the way, let us know. Yeah, please let think? us know which one is your favorite. Yeah, I would love to know because in Mission Impossible two, he's like way more like kind of martial artsy badass, and he's more he's more like <laughs> yeah, crazy. he's that crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think this is the best. This is the best best Ethan Hunt, and I'd probably put him in the top fifteen. Yeah, but I counter that with saying that I'd put Philip Seymour Hoffman in the top five all time action villains. He is so good. He's so good, and, and, and you know what? I'm going to go top ten just because I didn't remember how good he was until I'd seen the, so the you movie on TV the notion a little that while the same ago. Thing could happen again with somebody else, right? It could, but I don't think so. Because first of all, we talked about who this person is and where they're at in their career. Yeah, and you go through and you watch the movie, and he's perfect. 
like perfect, perfect. But they, like I said, you, you know, there's the Hannibal Lecters of the world. There's these people that it's not an action movie though. I know that's why yeah. that's yeah. So if we're doing top five action, action movie villains, I mean, excuse me, top action movie villains. I'm gonna go. I'll go top ten, and I think that that's also why it makes this version of Ethan Hunt in the top ten as well. Because I'm, the villain is so good. I'm going to go Ethan Hunt's top 10 and PSH's top 5. Yeah. I'm going to say top 5. Just yeah. just because when I'm thinking of who, what other evil villains in an action movie have even like really spoke to me on this kind of level, Yeah, there's almost no one that comes to mind. No, that's true. You know what? I'm changing. I'm going top 5. You're right. I don't know why I, don't know why I yeah. second guess myself. There's a couple guys, but like it's very difficult. I think right, like Oldman, the ones I mentioned. Yeah, you got Oldman. I think we had said top 10 for him. See, yeah, but that's Air Force One. And Leon the yeah. Professional isn't really an action movie. Right. Just like Gladiator isn't really an action movie. Right, right, but right. I put Joaquin Phoenix in my top five. Sure, 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 sure. So, okay. Um, all right, so let's get into the recast. Um, it's funny. I saw your list before we were prepping. You looked at my stuff? I just glanced at it. We have very similar recasts on this one. It's really odd. Do we? Really I strange. I didn't get to see your notes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so let's start with uh, Michelle Monaghan. Okay, you go ahead. Me? Yeah. Uh, Rachel McAdams. Okay, yeah. I love her. She's great. She's great. She's a good actress. You see the new True Detective trailers. She can she can shoot a gun. Like she's beautiful. And that's that was the one thing at the end with Michelle Monaghan. She looks so hot. She looks so hot. She's all <laughs> greasy and sweaty and like tattered. And and you believe, even though this woman has never shot a gun before in her yeah. life, probably. Yeah. You believe that she could kill Billy Crudup and that other. There is that one moment when she's like sitting on the ground. She's like looks into the the reflection off yeah. of like the paper towel dispenser or whatever it is right. she she sees the guy yeah. and turns around and preemptively shoots him it's a little bit much yeah. but i think Rachel McAdams could pull this off in a heartbeat yeah i mean McAdams is she'd be good in, in this role i agree have um, you seen the notebook <laughs> i uh i would go Evangeline Lilly for this okay okay I, i'm a, i'm a fan of Evangeline yeah she's hot she's she's like seems like she's the right age she's like sweet i know she's kind of an action tough girl yep. um it's her for me it's her or the other one that i think i would be more happy to see but is more of a stretch is kira knightley um mm, kira really? knightley is kind of a little bit of a she's a little bit of a stretch what i actually what i actually think is we did we skipped it we should have recast Carrie Russell as well. We forgot that she I was, was going to say, we could do an honorable mention to Carrie Russell. And I would probably split those two, and I would go with... Evangeline Lilly is my Michelle Monaghan. Right. I would go Keira Knightley as Carrie Russell. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's like, the good... Which, I have this thing in, in action movies that I always talk about. It's the, the you know he's going to die guy. Yeah. You know, in every right. movie, there, there's that guy. You just see him, you're like, that guy's going to die. But yeah, it's a girl really, in this one. It's like, she's the, the yeah. you know she's going to die guy. Carrie Russell. Yeah, you see, you hear yeah. about it in the beginning, you see her, and you didn't see her much in the trailer, you're like, this, she's going to die. Yeah. And I think if she was in the movie longer, we probably would have recast her. Probably, yeah. Um, so for, I'm going to jump in and do my uh, Ving Rhames. Okay. It's just too obvious. I, that's, right? This, this is the one it? that I saw. It's, it's, I'll tell you why, before we tell you guys who it is. We have the same one. Yeah. The reason is this. The we actor do? that we picked is the perfect comedy supporting tough guy. Yep. Even though he's a lead now. It's I think the Rock. every single Yeah, exactly. I think everyone knows it's The Rock. And the thing is it's he's best when he's a supporting character. I felt like I was che- he is. He yeah. is so much better as a supporting character. And I felt like I was cheating when I first wrote him down, but I was like, "You know what? 
No. There's because, not even anybody who's close. No, there's no one that's close. Yeah. he's. If you were going to recast now, he's the, the perfect, like, the conversation about getting married and all that right. stuff. He'd just be hilarious. Yeah. He's great at it. And again, we say this a few times in the show. I, this is My favorite thing about your guys' comments is to re- see the recast and what you guys think of ours. So please, please, iTunes, YouTube, post your recast. We love to talk about it. And honestly, you guys kind of open up our eyes sometimes. Sometimes yeah. yours are better than ours. And... Uh, Please, please do it. I want to see what you have to say. Yeah, tweet at us about it. I would love to get a tweet about it. Uh, I'm going to jump in then with mine, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with my Philip Seymour Hoffman recast. Now, we talked about it over the trailer a little bit. Gandolfini would have been, for me, if he was alive still, yeah. the other guy. And they do fill very similar airspace in terms of their sort of ability to be this, like, ugly, evil, but, like, relatable character. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys I can think of that are actually alive now doing work that I like that would sort of fill the same, that would look and feel the same. Mm-hmm. So someone that's not physically intimidating, someone that is very like, yeah, just, they have that delivery. I went with Michael Fassbender because he's <laughs> super evil. Really? Yeah, I saw your list. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I think I, you just didn't do the work. And I you're just did. copying my stuff at this point. I did Michael Fassbender as well, and it's because of how good he is as Magneto. Yeah, he's so believable and he's so evil. Yeah. Um, and he's not a big guy. I mean, Tom Cruise isn't either. No. And I guess a fistfight between the two of them would be a little bit more believable. Yeah. But. I think he'd be perfect. Fastbender, yeah, he would be excellent. Super intense, badass, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for him, the other guy that came on from me was Liev Schreiber. Oh, uh, yeah, I like Liev Schreiber. I think he could be good as a villain, but uh, I just... Fastbender just called Fassbender out to just, Yeah, I just yeah. need to do it. And if you guys are wondering what's going on, we're not recasting Tom Cruise. He's coming out with a new Mission Impossible movie where he's still playing the same character. The dude does not need to be recast. I Like, I don't know who you could even reliably put into a role like this now. If you were going to, like, reboot Cruise, you can't reboot Ethan Hunt. No. Like, it's just impossible. The only this. person I would have maybe put there would have been Jeremy Renner, but he already rebooted Bourne. Yeah. Can't do it. Cruise will be, like, in a wheelchair doing this when he's, like, 80. Oh, absolutely. He'll be in Mission Impossible 19. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny that we re- we tried to recast Rambo last week. Yeah. But we just we just didn't even do it with Cruz this week. I don't think it could be done. No, it doesn't need to be. Well, it's he, I mean, he's still believable. He's still the, believable. The Rambo from '08 was yeah. like a stretch. It was definitely a stretch. <laughs> um. So all right, uh, Cage versus Cruz. Obviously, Cruz. Uh, there's yeah, no no real pretty real reason to do on this it. One. And the last but not least category, guys, is the uh, which category does this fit into? There are three action movie categories officially. These categories are. Totally ridiculous. That is fall off a cliff of absurdity, much like Face Off. Uh, totally legitimate, which is the absolute classics that we've ever seen. Great movies that don't really need to be excused. Maybe like Die Hard, The Fugitive. And finally, legitimately ridiculous. No. Perfect. Ridiculously legitimate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ridiculously legitimate. And that's going to be our favorites. It's the middle category, the combination. Sort of, you know, the rock movies like that are great examples. Right. doesn't have to be our favorites, though, because there's some pretty good ones in the other categories. Yeah, But agreed. I do understand. They are, those are the pinnacle action movies. It's the ones that have just enough camp and just enough quality. This is totally legitimate. I agree. Totally legitimate. Totally legitimate. It's right on the edge. For it, me. There is. There's like moments where you're like, eh, I don't know, but it's just good enough. It's just believable enough yeah. throughout the whole thing. And it's because of PSH. It's it is. Yeah. It's a hundred percent because of PSH. He's just the best part of the movie. Yeah, totally. I mean, even when it's him playing Ethan Hunt as him, like in the bathroom and the coughing and like yeah. the, he's just so good. He's just excellent. Everything about this is believable. He's intimidating. He's threatening. Like this dude. Is scary, God and he shouldn't soul. be. Just look at him. God rest his soul. Such talent, 
such a talent gone I'm too soon super bummed about that yeah it made um, me sad watching this movie yeah so that's that's gonna wrap it up guys that is action movie anatomy week seven or something six. or come on six you even care about me week six <laughs> uh we love mission impossible three we're gonna do mission impossible five the week it comes out yeah. that'll be coming right up in july uh be sure to come in and check out next week we're gonna be doing fast and the furious seven fast seven as they okay. call it we'll have an awesome guest who worked on that film as well gonna be in studio doing that with us so uh check back with us if you want to find me or andrew in the meantime tweet at us uh my name is ben bateman you can find me at ben bateman media on twitter instagram and very occasionally periscope yeah, I am so excited about the episodes that are coming up. You have no idea. We have a really good slate. Good, good things coming, guys. At uh, Andrew Guy on Twitter, that's G-H-A-I. Thank you for watching me again. Yeah, 100%. We'll see you guys soon. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.